We still have a couple of more studies here in the book of Romans. Turn to chapter 15, if you would. The Apostle Paul continues here in this 15th chapter with his plea for a mutual affection between believers and a unity between us. Unite us. Be of one mind. The mind of Christ. He's not talking about a unity with all religious people. There's a lot who believe in this world that the Lord Jesus would desire us to be unified with all of religions. And that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Paul is not encouraging you and I to be unified with the Catholics or anyone who preaches works. Our Lord condemned those who sought acceptance with God by their own righteousness, saying, leave them alone. They are blind leaders, whited sepulchers. That means dressed in the white robes, what they, what they claim to be the white robes of God's righteousness, yet it was their own righteousness that they preached. It was their own free will that they preached. Paul would not tolerate those who departed from the gospel. He says these words, he says, If any man preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Paul is pleading for you and I to love and have forbearance among those who know and love our Redeemer, who find their peace and their hope as you and I in the sacrifice of our Savior Christ Jesus. In verse 1 of Romans chapter 15, we read these words, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. When we are strong, when we, we then that are strong, he says. Mature believers, as mature believers, we know that there is no strength in us, don't we? Paul knew that. Paul knew that. He himself knew that he was not strong in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12.10, he writes, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. He took pleasure in his infirmities. He took pleasure in his, ple in his weakness. I take pleasure in the fact knowing that I am weak, looking to my Savior for my strength. I am weak, as we sing in that song. But thou art strong. He says, he goes, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my necessities, in my persecutions, in my distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. But they that are strong in the faith of Christ, strong and sure of their deliverance of Christ from meats and drinks and from the observance of days and the bondage of ceremonial law, we ought to bear. We ought to bear with those who have doubts and fears, who seem failings and frailties of being weak. Their weakness arises usually from immaturity of faith, babes in Christ, from a lack of knowledge of their freedom and the blessings in Christ. Now I want to stop there for just a moment because I need to share this with you. Some of us are going through some severe trials in our own lives right now with weights so heavy upon us that they bring us to tears. 
That does not mean we are weak in faith. That means the body is and the mind is weak. But we still believe in Jesus Christ our Savior. That's what drives us to look to Him. We still know that we look to Him. We, we may not feel the strength in our own minds. We may not feel the strength in our own bodies. But we know who, who is all strength. This is where we need those who are not going through trials right now. That they might come to us and remind us. Even though we don't need to be reminded. Even though we don't need to be reminded. Somehow or another, God gives us comfort in that. Maybe not right away. But somehow He does. Verse 1 again, when we, we then that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Here's how we bear the infirmities of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we love so much. We, will, we love them. We love them. I know you're going through what you need, what you got to go through right now. The weakness of the flesh being ill, our age, I have personal things in my own life that I'm going through with my daughter. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Knowing that you love me. Knowing that she loves me. Despite how weak I am in my situation. I pray that her knowing how much I love her strengthens her. I pray that whatever you may be going through, that you might know how much we love you and how much we encourage you to continue in the faith in the faith of who our Savior is and what he's done for us 1 Peter 4 verse 8 we read these words and above all things have fervent charity that's love fervent charity deep personal love for each other among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. In Proverbs 10:12, we read these words: Hate, hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. We don't seek to please ourselves, but we seek to bring peace and and bring and and raise up our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hold your thoughts part there. Turn to the right, if you would, over to Galatians. I want to read one, uh, two verses over in Galatians chapter 6. You say, but I haven't, I haven't been found in fault, John. I haven't faulted. Yes, we have. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we get out of bed in the morning and we falter. And you know we do. As a child of God, you know just as well as I do that we get out of bed, we open our eyes, we take that first breath in the morning, we falter right there. Brethren, chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in fault, that doesn't mean we go out, that's not just talking about those who go out and do something that's a sin against God. That's talking about doubting. That's talking about being weak in the faith. That's talking about turning away from our Savior and looking to the troubles of the world. 
That's, that can be just as much a fault as anything else. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Back in our text. This is my great desire, and I pray this is yours. I pray the Lord will lay this on every heart here today, listening to these words. Seek to make all of our brethren feel wanted, to feel appreciated, to feel needed. Look at verse 2 of our text, back in our text, chapter 15, verse 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good, for his good to edification. What that's saying there is no part of the gospel should ever be sacrificed for peace. No part of the revealed word of God is to be denied to keep weak brethren from, to keep them happy. This would certainly not be for their good or their edification. We don't edify men by encouraging them in a, doctor, in a doctrinal or a, or a moral error. But in the matter of personality, temperament, and things indifferent, meats and drinks, we should sacrifice our liberty and our rights to all comfortable, to all comfortably and being happy while seeking to instruct one another in the word. Well, how can we instruct one another in the word? Trust Christ. John, Kathy, just trust Christ. Verse 3. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Our Lord sought not his own comfort. He sought not his own ease. He sought not his own profit, nor his own glory. He subjected himself to every inconvenience, every suffering for the good of his people. If our Lord acted in such a manner, how it ought to condemn us when we indulge in our own rights or our own desires at the expense of a family member of God. Our Lord was rich, yet he became poor for our sakes. Look at verse 15, or verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of scriptures, might have hope. That's a quotation from night from Psalm 69, verses 7 through 9. The apostle is teaching us the doctrine, and he this doctrine, and he's a, he's exhorting us to practice in principle. He proves it by the word of God. Second Timothy verses 3, 16 through 17, we read this. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And if that's not enough, Paul, or Peter, he refers us to this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. And new, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We ought to read scriptures not to gratify our curiosity or to prove our position, but to nourish ourselves. Nourish ourselves and increase our hope in Christ. Look over at Romans 
We're in Romans already. But turn over to turn back to chapter ten, if you would. Romans chapter ten. I'm going to look at one verse back there in, in Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. So then, faith. Faith. How does it come to us? By the hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Where are you going to hear the word of God? Where God's people come together. I'm so thankful that our brother Mike and Shirley are here this morning. They're not able to be with us for the 11 o'clock study. They have some appointments they have to go to. But they're here for the 10 o'clock. Where are they going to be edified today? Where am I going to be edified? Where am I going to be built up in the faith? Where my brothers and sisters in Christ are. Sister Cheryl and Sister Shirley, they can't be with us personally, but they're here in the best way they can be in the Zoom, here to have fellowship with us, here to, to see and to hear what we're going through, to be edified by you and I through the hearing of God's Word. What a blessing. You could have easily just said, you know what, I, can't, I, I don't have time to be there today. Instead, he says, I don't have time to be anywhere else. I need to be here this morning. What a blessing to me. What a blessing to me. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Back in our text. Verses 5, we read these words, Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Now the God of patience, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful the Lord is patient with us? Do you know, I, I got... <laughs> I am so impatient. I am probably the most impatient person I've ever met. Ask Kathy. She, I have no doubt she'll agree with me that I'm the most impatient person she's ever met. <laughs> she's known me a long time. I am so, so thankful that my Lord continues to teach me over and over and over again almost daily it seems nowadays. That's patience. The God of patience now, the God of patience in consolation grant you. Here's a prayer. Paul's given us a prayer. He's praying for you and I that he might grant you and I to be like-minded one towards another according to Christ Jesus. Paul is offering a prayer up for all believers it would be well for us to spend much time in that prayer ourselves. He says, now the God of patience and comfort, this is his attribute, our Lord's attribute. He has been patient and long-suffering with the race of Adam and with his church and with you and I. He has borne our sins, he has healed our backslidings, and he has heard our confessions. And he's comforted us. He's comforted us. A real solid comfort comes from Him against whom we have sinned. He comforts us in every trial. He stands by us through every fall. He encourages us with every error. He says, I shall not leave you. Next we read in that scripture, He says, Grant to be like-minded one with another. May God give us patience as Christ has patience with us. 
May He give us the ability to be long-suffering with each other, to be forgiving of each other, and even more important than that, to be a source of comfort to one another. Have you ever been some in some situation where you just couldn't find any comfort from someone in the world who knew not God? Oh, John, I know what you're talking about. Cousin John, Cousin John, I know what you're talking about. If you would just do this, maybe God would. If you would just do this, maybe. That's what the friends of Job said, isn't it? Didn't Job, when the Lord cursed him, and or when didn't curse him, when the Lord took, let the devil take his family and all of his stock and all of his animals and his health away from him, didn't his friends come to him and say, "Man, if you'd have just done this, God wouldn't have done that to you." He found no comfort in the ways of the world. Where are you going to find comfort coming to your brothers and sisters in Christ who have been in the situation you've been in? Maybe not the exact same situation, but the, the pain of the heart, the stress of the world around you. This is still hard for me to talk about, so forgive me. But some of you know that my brother Lee's oldest son was taken from him. The Lord took him early in life. Pastor Gene, as you know, lost him and Judy lost one of their sons. My brother Lee found no comfort from his mother. He found no comfort from cousins and friends. He found comfort from one of God's sheep who had been through what he went through. He found comfort in God's people coming together and reading God's word. Romans 8, 28. All things are for our good. He found comfort. I, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I couldn't give Lee the comfort. But he found comfort in me coming together with him to read God's word. Only God can give somebody that kind of comfort. Let us be like-minded towards each other as Christ is towards us. Let us be an example. Look over at Ephesians. Christ, Christ being our example. Turn over to Ephesians. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 or 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at two verses with me there if you would. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 30. Three verses through 32. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, there was a time when I needed to be forgiven. There was one in my life and I'll just say this, he died in prison. So that way you don't confuse him with something, someone else. There was a time when I needed to be forgiving. Why did I need to be forgiving? Because Christ forgave me. 
I don't hold that out before you to be a braggart of any kind. I'm telling you the only way I could be forgiving was because I saw how forgiving our Lord is to me. Amen. He's my example. He's what makes it so easy for me to say, I forgive you. He's what makes it so easy for you. For you to say to each other, I forgive you. Henry Meehan wrote these words. He says, when I have forgiven every wrong against me, when I have borne every hard word or thought, when I have overlooked every weakness and comforted every fallen friend, I still have not endured one atom of what Christ bore for me and from me. Look over at Matthew chapter 18. In Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 beginning at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. You know our Lord has forgiven us more times than that. Look back at our text, verse 6. Two more verses. We'll cover it and then we'll close in prayer. That ye may be with one mind and one mouth. Do what? Read these next two words. That ye may be with one mind and one mouth. Glorify God. I mentioned this, I think, in Friday night's study best counseling I can give you, best counseling you can give anybody, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Is what you're thinking, is what you're doing glorifying God? Is what I'm doing glorifying my Savior? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it says there in the last part of verse 6, our Lord is glorified when the perfections of His nature are recognized. When the work of His hands is praised. When His mercy and grace in Christ Jesus are received. When His people approach Him in worship and adoration. When our lives and our conversations are agreeable to His calling. How can we glorify Him when our hearts are divided? When our spirits are divided, if our doctrine is divided, be of one mind. Verse 7. 7 of our, back in our text, chapter 15. Wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us to what? The glory of God. Everything Christ did, everything he did, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that what God the Father said? Everything our Lord and Savior did pleased the Father and glorified Him. And in such, because they are one, it glorified the Savior. He receives all the glory. He shares it with none. Receive one another, it says, into our hearts with affections, 
Embrace another, one another, whether Jew or Gentile, weak or strong, old or young, male or female, and as Christ received us. How did Christ receive you? Do you remember what it said back in Romans chapter 5, verse 8? This is how the Lord received me, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then it closes with these words, to, to the glory of God. This ought to be our motive, our chief motive out of all ends. Everything we do, to the glory of God. Look one more time over, uh, one more verse if you would, over 1 Corinthians. Just one page to the right. Two pages to the right. In my book. 1 Corinthians, the last three verses. Oh, let this be our walk in this world that no flesh verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord Amen